0: Welcome to the Global River Church Discipleship Teaching of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. Praise God. How's everybody doing? I hope you are blessed and highly favored because that's who we are. Amen? I am excited to be sharing the Word of God on my birthday What better thing to be doing than to be sharing the word of God on your birthday? Praise God. I'm excited. I'm excited. Um, How many were blessed Uh, Sunday? Oh, glory to God. I went home. I was like, what just happened? The power of God was just uh, heavy. And uh, I believe we are in a different season at Global River Church, and God is doing a mighty thing in our midst, and he's not going to exclude anybody, so you better strap up, amen, God is going to use everyone in the church as a tool in his hand to advance his kingdom, so get excited, get ignited, amen, get on fire, because uh, Jesus is in the house. And it's going to do us good. Amen. Mm -hmm. So we've been going through this study in the book of Hebrews. How many of you have been reading along? Amen. Praise the Lord. So uh, we had some materials, uh, one-page material, that kind of did a summary of what we've covered so far, some of the highlights. Um, And I want to run through that real quick before I dive into the material for today. Uh, We've been studying that Jesus is our eternal high priest. Uh, we studied Melchizedek and his priesthood compared to the priesthood of our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 4, I mentioned in, in addition to what Lisa already covered, that you have to mix faith with the word for it to produce in your life. And the Bible says the word preached unto them did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those that heard it. So, for example, what happened on Sunday or what happened the previous Sunday and all the other previous Sundays? When you hear the word of God, you have to mix faith with it for it to produce in your life. And that's why many times in the church, people are saying, well, how come that didn't work? It's because we did not mix faith with it. Uh, Faith is a huge component in our relationship with God. Uh, We studied the elementary principles of Christ, which I'm going to go into further details today, Uh, we talked about the two unchangeable things, which is the Word of God and the hope that God made uh, unto unto us. And we also mentioned that we have access, approach to God. You don't need an intermediary to get to God today. You can access God anytime, anywhere, uh, because you are a priest and a king. And God goes to the next one. Uh, we are kings and priests unto our God. And God expects us as his children to mature from where we were when we first got born again to start eating solid food. Um, we can use the analogy of babies. When babies are born and you put a steak in front of them or you try to sh- shove a steak in their mouth, you, you want to kill that child because they are not ready for that yet. So they will start with you know, liquid and they're semi-liquid and semi-solid. And then before you know it, they are struggling with you, in your plate, trying to get your, your food. Because now they've matured to that point. The same thing, spiritually, God expects us to grow. And one of the ways we grow is by feeding on the Word of God and exercising the Word of God, putting it to action, putting it to practice. Amen. Putting it to practice. And when you're exercising your faith, especially, you have to exercise patience. The Bible says, follow after those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Glory to God. God spoke to me um, actually today uh, on something that I'm believing God for. And, And this is for me, okay? Because sometimes when God speaks to you, it's for you. But the principle applies because it applies to the body. It's in the word of God. God brought a scripture. Um, Remember Naaman. When Naaman came to the man of God, he said, the man had some measure of faith. He said, I was expecting him to come out. And I was expecting him to wave his hand. And then you know, do abracadabra, you know, in his mind. And then the leprosy will go. And the scripture tells us that the man of God did not even come out. He sent his servant, go and tell him, go wash and your skin will be made clean. So sometimes we have a concept in our head of how God is going to do it. Just leave that to God. Your business, my business is to believe. And I say, Lord, I agree. I agree with your word. How you are going to do it is above my pay grade. So I stay in my pay grade and let God handle his own pay grade. Amen? And so God was reminding me about that. Don't have a preconceived notion of how it's going to happen. Just having done all to stand, stand there for. Amen? So uh, I just wanted to uh, drop that in because that might bless somebody. Uh, we need to hold on to our faith for sure but don't have preconceived idea of how god is going to go about doing it so for example in the area of finances is it going to come through my job or somebody's going to call me or hopefully nobody's playing the lo- lottery you know that's not a christian thing <laughs> so so let's just put that one in trash how god is going to do it i mean god one man of god said this God has a million ways to get a million dollars to you. But I just need one. I don't need a million. (laughs) Glory to God. (laughs) Praise the Lord. So um, let's get into uh, the material. So we've looked at uh, Hebrews chapter 5. We've looked at Hebrews chapter 6 and chapter 7. But I want to cover some things that we did not cover the last time. And hopefully, I have enough time to get to uh, chapter eight. So last time, Mama brought up the idea of uh, when we were looking at the subject of the elementary principles of Christ, and she brought up the idea that we there are actually seven types of baptism. you know you guys know that I don't know everything right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I, I hate to bust your bubbles. I don't know everything. We keep learning the word of God. We keep growing. We keep maturing until the Lord comes. So when she said that, I was like, wow, that's exciting. I got to go study that. Well, guess what I did? I went to study it. And I found the seven types of baptism. So I'm uh, going to give them to us real quick because I've got four pages uh, of material. So the first one is the baptism of Moses. And we see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 1 to 2, when they went through the Red Sea. The Bible calls that the baptism because they passed through the Red Sea. The baptism of the death of Jesus Christ, you find that in Mark chapter 10, verse 38 to 39. The baptism of John, that's the third one. You find that in Mark chapter 1, verse 4 to 8, which is repentant. I'm I'm too fast? OK. The the baptism of the death of Jesus in Mark chapter 10, 38 to 39. The baptism of John, that's the third one. Mark chapter 1, verse 4 to 8. And that speaks of repentance for forgiveness of our sins. And of course, you know the baptism of Jesus Christ when the the heavens open and the Holy Ghost came down in form of a dove. Not a dove, but looks like the way a dove will come down. Amen? Because many times you see Holy Spirit, they draw him like a dove. He looks like Jesus. Amen? <laughs> it's not a dove, it's a person. Praise the Lord. The baptism of fire. Ooh, yeah, ya, yeah, ya, yeah, ya, yeah, ya, yeah, ya, yeah, ya, yeah. ya. Baptism of fire, Matthew chapter 3, 11 to 12. Matthew chapter 3, 11 to 12, baptism of fire. The baptism of the Holy Spirit when the day of Pentecost was fully come, Acts chapter 2. They were all assembled in one accord and suddenly there was a sound from heaven. And it sat on them like cloven tongues, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. Baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. So those are the seven types of baptism. Now, I don't want us to spend a lot of time on this. Maybe we have an, a separate study to kind of dive into that, but I just wanted to pass that on because... Again, the purpose of Wednesday Bible study is for us to learn, to grow, to get to know some new things that we haven't learned before. So when she mentioned it, I was like, man, I got to go study that and, and, and learn that. So, so, that's, so those are the seven types of baptism. That, and the Bible calls this the elementary principles of Christ, that we should know that. So every one of us should spend some time to dig into that. Um, so, again, you can watch this video and go through and get the, the Bible verses again for your personal study. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the doctrine of laying on of hands. That's one of the elementary principles. Man, this is, this is huge. Um, laying on of hands is holy, and the Bible says we shouldn't do it hastily or hurriedly. You find that in 1 Timothy 5.22. If you want to go to that real quick, 1 Timothy 5.22. Praise Jesus. 1 Timothy 5.22. Now, this is talking directly of ministry functions, but it applies to any type of laying on of hands. The Bible says we shouldn't do it very quickly. Bible says, lay hands on no man hastily, nor share in somebody else's sin. Keep yourself pure. So, laying on of hands is a holy thing. Don't just do it hastily, you know. Be led, be led by the Holy Spirit. So, that's the foundation on that. But now, let's get into some areas where laying on of hands is very useful. So, let me see. One, two, three, four. I found four main functions of the use of laying on of hands. It's used to transfer or impart blessings. Amen? To directly impart blessing to somebody else. This is a spiritual transaction done through the physical act. You find that in Genesis 48, verse 14. Jacob, or Israel, laid his hands on Ephraim and Manasseh, who were his grandkids. But he promoted into the position of sons because they were grandkids. He elevated them from being grandkids because they were the sons of Joseph. He elevated them into his sons, basically. And he did something weird. The man, the Bible said his eyes was dim. He couldn't see very clearly. But he did his hands like this. And I'm going to talk about that to the right hand uh, in Hebrews chapter 8. He puts the younger above the older. And Joseph was like, Papa, not so. That's the older. That's the younger. And he said, no, from today, he is now the older. Now he is the younger. He transferred blessing unto him by laying on of hands. So, and and that's something that... God's been dealing with me about, you know, when I minister and people are up here, I feel very (laughs) timid to put my hand, but it's a it's a way to transfer blessings and power. Because I don't want to mess people's hair up and especially the ladies, but that's scripture. You put hands on people to transfer something, blessing. And we're going to talk about some other areas where you transfer power. So we see Israel laid his right hand on Ephraim, who was the younger, and the left hand on Manasseh. I'm going to talk about the right hand in a a minute. Very powerful. It's also used to transfer power or ministry mantle or anointing, consecration, or confirming authority on somebody. You see that in Numbers 27. Moses laid his hands on Joshua. Joshua to confer him as the next leader of God's people. Numbers 27, 18 to 23. You can also see that in Deuteronomy 34, 9. Laying on of hands is also used to transfer gifts of ministry. You see that in 2 Timothy 1, 6. Paul was writing to Timothy. Let's, let's go there. 2 Timothy. We actually in 1 Timothy already. So let's go to 2 Timothy verse, chapter 1, verse 6. So Paul was writing, he said, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you, through the laying on of my hands. I put the gift of God in you by a physical act of putting my hands on you. I transfer something into you. Glory to God. So we see ministry gifts being transferred by laying on of hands, what we call impartation. God also set Paul and Barnabas apart by laying on of hands. You see that in Acts 13. (laughs) Let's go there, Acts 13. This is very fascinating. Uh, When we study the word of God, we begin to learn some things we didn't know before. Let's, let's look at verse 1. The Bible says, now in the church that was at Antioch, you could say now in the church that was on Wilmington, Global River, there were certain prophets and teachers. Prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger. I don't want to say that word. Lucius, Niger, thank you. Lucius of Cyrene. Manaen, who had been brought up with error the Tetrarch, and Saul. So, the Bible called them prophets and teachers. As they ministered. the group of prophets and teachers, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost spoke. Obviously, through one of them, because they are prophets and teachers. Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work where I have called them. And having fasted and prayed... Guess what they did? They laid hands on them and sent them away. So that was when Barnabas and Paul, or Saul, were promoted or impacted the office of an apostle. An apostle is a sent one. That's the meaning of apostolo, a sent one, somebody that is sent to do something. So most of the people that we call, uh, that goes to missions that we call them missionaries, they are really sent ones. Somebody that is sent from America to Costa Rica, they are sent ones. So they are now apostles. And you see, uh, we, we don't want to get into that, but one of the hallmarks of the ministry of an apostle, they function in miracles, they function in, in many gifts, because they are sent. They have to be able to demonstrate the power of God. They have to be able to show that I'm truly sent by the living God. So by laying on of hands, by this group, they sent them away. So we are talking about impactation of grace or mantle into ministry office by laying on of hands. And of course, um, this one is kind of loose a little bit because when you look at Elijah um, casting his mantle upon Elisha, It's not necessarily laying on our hands, but it was just passing by and I just cast his mantle on him. And Elisha knew what that meant. He said, could you please hold on? Let me go and say goodbye to my family. He said, what did I do to you? What did I do to you? But he knew. And from that day, he became his protege. He became the son of the prophet. And of course, later on, he got a double portion of that same spirit that was in him. And my, my kids and I were doing a study in the house. Um, so I told them, everybody, go and research, because the Bible said that Elisha got a double portion of the anointing. So I want you to outline all the miracles of Elijah and all the miracles of Elisha. And I gave them two weeks to go and do it, do it as a team, do it together. So after they, they, they were done, we sat down over a series of Bible studies. And we went through each of those miracles together. And we counted them. It was exactly double. Now, there was one that was missing in the ministry of Elijah I and mean, Elisha, the prophet. So it seems like, well, he didn't get a double. There was one missing. But the last one was when the band of raiders were coming. And they saw the band of raiders coming. Somebody was going to be buried. They threw that dead person into the sepulchre or the burial ground of Elisha and he came alive. Double portion. He got a double portion of that spirit, which is the ministry gift that was on Elijah. He had double of that. So clearly we see power can be transferred, ministry gift can be, can be transferred by laying on of hands. Also it's used to transfer power or the healing anointing, the healing grace, by putting your hands on somebody. The Bible says in Mark sixteen fifteen to 50, Jesus said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Anyone that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that does not believe shall be condemned. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. If they eat anything that is deadly, it will not hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So my job, your job, is to lay hands on the sick. So if, if you happen to be sick, you can lay hands on yourself too. Praise the Lord. So you transfer that anointing, that healing power, because you are part of the body. Jesus Christ, I was telling my kids, Jesus Christ is the head of the church. We are the body. So because you are part of the body, The anointing flow from the head of Aaron to the beard, to the garment, to the skirt. Well, it's flowing from the head of the church, which is Jesus. It's flowing into you. And one of his name is Rafa. He is the Lord that heals. So we put our hands on that person. And you're done. That's your part. You do it by faith. Everything that we do in the kingdom of God it's by faith, because without faith, Hebrews eleven six, it's impossible to please him. It doesn't matter what you're doing, you do it by faith, because that's the way God operates. The Bible says, God, even God, who calls those things that be not as though they did? So, I call my healing, even though it's not fully manifested yet, I say I'm healed. And somebody's looking at you, no, you're not Glory to God! No, you are not. I'll tell you a quick story. I'm in, I'm impressed to share that. So one of my unofficial mentors, Kenneth Hagen, in the early days, he developed a condition. His eyes was droopy, like almost like one side of his face was paralyzed, and anyone that sees it can see it. His mom was like, "What's wrong with you, Ken?" And the friends, it was like. Nineteen twenty at the time. And everybody can see. I mean, you see the side of the face is droopy. So he, he read in the Bible, in Mark 11, 23, and 24, when you pray, believe that you receive, and you shall have it. In the moment you pray, believe that you receive, and you have it. So he prayed. And he said, Lord, I just thank you because I believe I'm healed. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. He got up. The side of the face is still the way it was. And so his friends, because he was 20, 1920, uh, he's still a teenager. They were like, hey, Ken, are you okay? He said, I'm, praise God, I'm healed. Are you sure? Is something wrong with your eye, too? Because <laughs> he's still droopy. He got home. The mom said, Ken, are you okay? And then the, one of them said, uh, mom, uh, talking to the mom, I think something's wrong with Ken because he thinks he's healed. And he said, no, I don't think I'm healed. I believe I am healed. Because he saw that they don't understand what he understood yet. So he left them, went to bed. When he got to bed, he said, praise God. Um, Of course, the devil was attacking his mind. Are you sure you're healed? Because the side of your face is still the way it was. Nothing has changed. But I believe because Mark eleven twenty three and twenty four said, when I pray, when I pray rather, I believe that I receive, then I will have it. Is it going to happen ten seconds after that, or ten days after that, or one year after that? No, I, that's none of my business. That's God's business. So then they got up the next day. They were going to go for breakfast. And then all of a sudden, he actually forgot about it. All of a sudden, his mom said, man, you're healed. I told you last night that I was healed. The healing already manifested. Praise the Lord. So the fact that you prayed, you believed, and it hasn't manifested yet. thats That period from the time you prayed and you claimed your healing and the time it manifests, that's the test. And I promise you, the devil will contest you up until you step to the other side. It's going to bring thoughts in your head. It's like you're you just you're just imagining stuff. You're just ima- that's how faith works. That's how you are in in that in that space. That if you are not a believer, if you are not a Christian, they will say you're crazy. It's like what's wrong with you? There's, the symptoms are still there. The symptoms are still there. Your legs still don't work. Your arms still don't work. But Jesus said, when you pray, believe that you receive, and you will have. The belief comes first. The having comes last. So between believe and having, there's a gap, and there's a time element. And so that's where you stand. You just stand there. I haven't done all to stand. Stand there for glory to God. Oh, I got to keep going, because if you leave me with faith, I'll keep talking all night. Glory to God. So we talk about the healing anointing being transferred um, by a touch. We also find that in the ministry of Jesus, in Matthew 8, 3, the Bible said, a leper came to him. He said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus touched him, said, I'm willing, be thou clean. In Matthew 8 also, Matthew 8, I believe 15, Jesus went into Peter's house. The mother-in-law was sick, and the Bible said it touched her, and she got up and began to serve them. Fever left. You know, like somebody's leaving the building, fever left her. It just got up and, poof, out the ghost. Praise the Lord. So by laying on of hands, healing anointing can be ministered. Also, it's used to minister the Holy Spirit power, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. We see that in the book of Acts chapter 8. Let's go there, Acts chapter 8. We're already in the book of Acts, so let's go to Acts chapter 8, uh, beginning from verse 14. Uh, for our friends that are watching online, welcome, sorry. I get uh, I get into it and I I don't remember to say that. You're welcome. God bless you. Uh, For those that are watching from home, Acts chapter 8 from verse 14. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for as yet he had not fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord. Then what happened? Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. So by laying on of hands, the Holy Spirit comes. And there are many, many uh, instances of that in the book of Acts. So we see by laying on of hands, you can transfer the Holy Spirit. Now look at 12 men at Ephesus in Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. Beginning from verse 1. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper region, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. We don't even know about him. Verse 3. And he said to them, into what were you baptized? So they said into John's baptism. We talked about that earlier in the, in, the, in, the, in the teaching. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Praise the Lord. Now the men were about 12 and all. So we see by laying on of hands, we see the power of God or the Holy Spirit being imparted into people that already believe or just believed. We also see tongues as evidence of the Holy Spirit coming in in Acts chapter 2 verse 4. I already quoted that earlier. And the Spirit of God came upon them, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. So we talked about the doctrine of laying on of hands. We talked about the doctrine of baptism. So if you look at the elementary principles of Christ, we have foundation of repentance from dead works, faith towards God, the doctrine of baptism, the doctrine of laying on of hands, the doctrine of resurrection from the dead, and the doctrine of eternal judgment. So I just wanted to spend some time on the baptism and the laying on of hands because um, I didn't have time to do that last time. Praise Jesus. Now, let's move on to chapter 7 because of time, chapter 7, because I want to get to chapter 8 this, this, this evening so that we can look at covenant. In chapter 7, um, Hebrews chapter 7, We are introduced, we are told that we are kings and priests. Hebrews chapter 7. Let me see. It's 27 verses there. So um, it talks about Melchizedek there. So I want to spend some time to kind of uh, dive in a little bit on the subject of kings and priests. I gave us a Bible Bible reference last week that we have been made kings and priests unto our God and we shall rule and reign on the earth. And John mentioned um, a Bible reference that actually referred to that under the old covenant that God was raising a kingdom of kings and priests. Amen? So each of us, we are kings and priests unto God. And... So, what are some of the roles of kings and priests? The role of the king first. Jesus is prophesied to come as a king. So, obviously, Jesus is our Lord, is the one that we came from, and kings produces kings. Amen? Just like lions produce lion cubs, and then they grow up to be lions. Praise the Lord. So Jesus is our example. The Je- Bible calls him king of kings <laughs> because he's king over us. King of kings and lord of lords because he's king over a kingdom of kings. Praise the Lord. You find that in Revelation 19, 6, Revelation 17, 14, and First Timothy 6, 15. Let's go to 1 Peter 2.9. 1 Peter 2.9. We are a chosen generation. Called for to show his excellence. Do you know this song? All I require for life, God has given me. I know who I am. You don't know? Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord Jesus. Y'all should come with me. I know who God says I am. What is it I am, where is says I'm at, I know who I am, I'm walking in power. I mean, I got to send the song to you guys. It's powerful, powerful, powerful song. Um, so, 1 Peter 2, 9. The Bible says, and this is where the, the, the song came from. But you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. Look at that word, Laugh that phrase, royal priesthood. Royalty speaks of king, kingship or royalty, like the queen of England or the king of England. It combined the two together, royal priesthood. Royalty and priesthood combined. You are a kingdom, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. My sister, you're royalty. My brother, you're royalty. Whether you feel like it or not, your feeling has nothing to do with it. Come on, David. You're royalty. Your royalty. It doesn't matter how you feel about it. That's what the word says and that's where you believe it and mix faith with it and then you act like it amen <laughs> we lord it over the kingdom of darkness that's what that's that's the authority has given us because if you're a king you have to have a domain to rule over we lord it over the kingdom of darkness not over one another <laughs> amen no 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 because we are the body of Christ And we have to be united. And Jesus said, a kingdom that is not united is divided against itself, just like the kingdom of darkness is. You see them in hierarchy. If somebody is in this level and another person is in this level, in the kingdom of darkness, this one will be oppressing that one. That's how it operates. But in the kingdom of God, we operate in unity, or we should. Uh, if we get our stuff together, we disagree on many things, on theology, on the name, or on, even on baptism, on healing. Some churches don't believe in healing. Some churches will fight you about so many elementary principles and doctrine of Christ. It doesn't mean that we know everything, too. So, we have to, that's why we study. The Bible says study to show yourself approved unto God as a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And revelation is progressive. What you know yesterday, the Holy Spirit will show you different lights and you're like, my goodness, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And then you go to another level and then you go to another level and then you go to another level until we all come to maturity as a body, not individually. Individually, yes, you want to grow, but God is looking for his church to mature because he's coming back for a bride without spots, and without wrinkle. Amen? Praise Jesus. When you tell a preacher to teach, it's a a big uh, task, to stay on task. Praise the Lord. (laughs) We are royal priesthood. A king has supreme authority over a realm. Men's royalty began in Israel when the Jews asked the king. uh, I don't know if I should go into that rabbit hole. Um, You guys know when the, the, the plan of God was for him, God, to be king over Israel. He never wanted them to have an earthly king. But they went to God and said, God, give us a king. We want to be like other nations. And that's when God said, okay, I'll give you a king. And that was when Saul became the first king in Israel. And Samuel was a little bit upset about it. And God said, don't worry, they did not reject you, they rejected me. He said it in two different verses. If you read 1 Samuel, God was like, don't worry, they did not reject it. It was me they rejected because my plan was me to be their king. Amen? Because he's king of kings and lord of lords. He doesn't need an intermediary king, so to speak. And that's how the kingship in Israel began. It, wasn't, it was never God's plan for them to have that. So now let's move into a priest. A priest is a mediator or a bridge between God and man. And one of his duties is to offer gifts and sacrifices before the Lord. If you look at the Old Testament, the priest, people will come with their sacrifices, whether it's sin offering, uh, all the different kind of offering that the Old Testament talks about. They'll bring it, and they'll bring it to the priest, and the priest will prepare it and then offer it as a burnt offering to the Lord. Well, you are a priest today. So, that's why you can access the Father on behalf of yourself or for somebody else. When we pray for somebody else, we call that intercession, standing in the gap for that other person. The Bible says God is seeking for a man that will stand in the gap. So, you see a brother or a sister that is in need of prayer. As a priest, you can stand in the gap on their behalf. Amen? Praise the Lord. So, we've talked about that too. Um, we have access and we can approach onto the throne of grace without any fear. The Bible says, Let us come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need. It talks about boldness. Come, come, because you are one of mine. You are, one, you are, you are part of me. You have access. You are being cleansed and washed by the blood of my son. Come to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace whenever that time of need becomes available. Praise the Lord. So we've talked, we've covered uh, chapter 6, chapter 7. Now let's go to chapter 8. So if you can open your Bible to Hebrews chapter 8. Let's read that. Hebrews chapter 8. I hope this is blessing somebody. Now, this is the main point. And it's a very short chapter too. It's just 13 verses. Now, this is the main point of the things we, we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord erected, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one also have something to offer. Verse 4. For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve the copy and shadow of the heavenly things, as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, See that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. Talking about the encounter of Moses with the Father on the mountain, Mount Sinai. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry, inasmuch as he is a mediator, a go-between for a better covenant, which was established on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second one. Because finding fault with them, he said, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the days when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. Because they did not continue in my covenant and I disregarded them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor, and none his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. Verse 12. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. In that he says a new covenant. He has made the false obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Praise the Lord. So uh, one of the things I want to highlight for us, first of all, when you look at that verse 1, it said, now this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. I want to talk about the right hand. I mentioned that briefly earlier. The right hand occurs according to my study about 166 times in the bible 166 when you go to court for example you are asked to place your hand right hand on the bible I'm sorry on which that's uh hebrews 8 verse 1 talking about the right hand of god the high priest sitting in the right hand of the Father, of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. So I mentioned that it occurs approximately 166 times in the Bible. And I also mentioned that when you go to court, they tell you to put your hand, your right hand, on the Bible. Praise God. If you go to Isaiah 41, verse 13. Isaiah 41, verse 13. That's... Isaiah 41:13. The Bible says, "For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, "Fear not, I will help you. Fear not, I will help you." The right hand signifies strength. The Bible talks about the right hand of the Lord, do it valiantly. The right hand of the wall breaks the hand of the enemy. The Bible talks about Jesus Christ sitting at the right hand of God. In Luke chapter 20, 42 to 43, the right hand is the place of authority. Amen? The right hand. I also believe, um, I'm thinking about Esther, in the book of Esther, when she was coming in to see the king. The king raised the right hand, the scepter, I accept you. Come on in. Praise the Lord. So right hand speaks of authority. Is a place of strength. Is a place of power. Jesus also referred to the right hand of God at his illegal trial. When he was being tried that he was going to be crucified, Jesus mentioned that in Mark chapter 16, Verse 19, let's go there. Mark 16, verse 19. This is Bible study. So we are going to go to many, many Bible passages as necessary. The Bible says, So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God, He sat down at the right hand of God. So Jesus Christ also referred to it, and that's where Jesus is sitting right now. It's at the right hand of God. So right hand signifies authority, and that's where the high priest is sitting right now in heaven. That's his place. The right hand signifies strength. It's the hand of strength. You see that in Exodus 15, verse 6. And verse 12, Deuteronomy 33 and 2. The right hand also is symbolic of sovereignty, royalty, rulership, authority. Amen? So when you talk about the right hand and the high priest sitting at the right hand of God, that's, that's very powerful. So I just wanted to unpack that for us uh, because when you, read, um, when you read the word of God, it's very important for us to pause and let the Holy Spirit minister to us and show different things that we may not know before and begin to open the Word of God to us, line upon line, precept upon precept. So let me go back to Hebrews 8. So Jesus, the high priest, we have such a high priest, who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty. We just... Connected many scriptures together, showing that the Lord Jesus Christ is sitting at the right hand of God as our high priest. So he's our high priest, but we are also priests. He happens to be the high priest. So, and I, also, I shared with us last time that one of the job of the high priest, especially in the Old Testament, is to offer a special sacrifice on behalf of himself. of of the people on the day of Yom Kippur and several other sacrifices that they do uh, as prescribed by the law. So Jesus Christ is doing the same thing. He's doing the same thing for us. The difference is when he went into the holies of holies with his own blood, the Bible said that blood was sufficient. So he did it once and finito, once and for all. Under the Old Covenant, they do it every year, year after year. There's remembrance of sins, and uh, it's, it's like you're paying the, the minimum payment on your credit card. But Jesus showed up and just paid the whole enchilada. Paid everything. Paid it all. Paid it all, once and for all. And the Father was happy. His rage was spent on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's it sufficed him. So that that's why he said, Come boldly, because the price has been paid. Come boldly to the throne of grace that you might obtain mercy and find grace anytime you want. You can go as many times as you want, as often as you want. You couldn't do that under the old covenant. You could only do it on certain days, and you have to follow protocol. Well, there's still protocol. But the protocol is just show up to Papa and sit on his lap. Amen? Yeah. Show up and, and and talk to him and praise the Lord and just tell him how you're feeling. And, and, but one of the things that we have to also understand is the Word of God tells us who you are. There is serious identity crisis in the body. People don't know what's available to them, what's... You know, when I I came to the U.S., um, I came as an immigrant, obviously, but I came with a green card. Many of you may not know what that is. It means that I have um, an opportunity to be a naturalized citizen. I think my sister will understand that, to become a naturalized citizen of the United States. So after five years, according to the rules of green card, then if you are a law-abiding citizen, you pay your taxes. You know, there are some things that you have to do. And then you become a naturalized citizen. So I'm, I'm a citizen of the United States. I can vote. I can be voted for. The only thing I'm exempted from is becoming the president. Yeah, let Trump do that. I have my calling, okay? I'll stay with my calling. It's a higher call. <laughs> Hallelujah. So that's the only thing that I cannot be president. I can be governor, I can be senator, I can be anything. The only thing I cannot be is president. I don't think I have ambitions for any of those, but who knows. <laughs> so when you c- when I came into the country, I began to learn what's available. You know, what, what, what can I do as a, ci- as a citizen of the United States? You know, there are so many grants, so many loan opportunities out there for students when I was in college, and scholarships for people of color, for minorities, for immigrants. But if you don't know, you can't access them. There are many, many, many benefits available to you in this book. But if you don't take the time to study, the Bible says study to show yourself approved unto God, as a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly divided. You have to open the book, close the TV, close your Facebook and put your phone down and and read the Bible and let the Holy Spirit minister to you and begin to learn who you are, what's available to you, what you can do. You can walk all over the devil. The Bible says you will trample upon serpents and upon scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. But if you don't know that, when the devil shows up, boo, you run. And you have all this power inside you, you have all this grace. And God is like, man, that is that my is that my king running from that little demon? Is that my royal king, your royal priest running from that demon? And that's why God has put. Ministry gifts in the body. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. To to perfect the saint by teaching the word of God and declaring the word of God. So that he wants his bride to be the lion that he's supposed to be. Amen? When the enemy comes in, like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard again. God is raising giants. Amen? Not people that will run. People that will see Goliath and say, wow. Praise God for the animals or the feed. They're about to eat lunch. Amen? Because that's what David said. You come to me with bows and arrows, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, whose army you have defied today. Today, not tomorrow. Today, I'm cutting off your head. And not just your head, the Philistines behind you. And then guess what's going to happen? You and the people behind me that are shaking in their boot, they're going to find out that God does not deliver by bows and arrows, for the battle is not mine, it's the Lord's. And then guess what he did? He ran towards him. Talk about boldness. That's the kind of men and women that the Father is raising in these last days men and women, that will stand in the face of the enemy and declare the word of the Lord. Amen? Praise the Lord. So we need to know who we are as believers, as children of God, and stand our ground. We talked about faith. Sometimes faith takes time to mature and to grow for your manifestation to show. doesn't mean that the word of God is not working. Amen? That's what the enemy will want us to believe. doesn't mean that it's not working. Praise God. Hallelujah. So now let's go back to our study. If you cut me loose, I'll keep going there. So another thing that I want to talk about today is covenant. You find that uh, the Bible talks about uh, the Hebrew chapter 8 that we just read. He, he clearly uh, enunciated and, and expanded on the subject of covenant because he said there's a necessity. The, the old one is obsolete. And now he opens up a new one. And then the old priesthood is obsolete. Now we have a new priesthood, the priesthood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the scripture said we have a better covenant which is established on better promises. Hebrews 8, 6. So I want us to look at, uh, I did a, a table. You guys probably can see it and I put old covenant and new covenant. Why one is better than the other? Because if Bible makes a statement that one is better than the other, then we need to know that. So let me start with uh, the covenant that God made with Abraham. Everybody okay? Is this blessing you? Uh, So when God encountered Abraham in Genesis 12, he said, get out of your country out of your family from your father's house to a land that I God will show you simple instruction right get out of your family leave everything you've known and I'm going to show you a land what's the address just don't worry about that <laughs> where are we going don't worry about that and that's something we also struggle with when it comes to faith Abraham left not knowing where Oh my goodness. He's my hero. I want to be like Abraham. He just left. No address, no GPS. Which direction should you go? I don't know. Just keep going. Just keep going. And that's what pleases the Father. The Bible says in Hebrews 11:6, without faith it's impossible. It didn't say it's difficult, because if it's difficult, I'll try harder. I'll work harder, maybe I'll get every one of you to help me, you know. But he said it's impossible to please God. He left. So the instruction was to leave. And simple as it may sound, it took a lot of faith for Abraham to leave a place he had known for about 75 years. Abraham was not a spring chicken. He was 75 years old when God told him to leave, to go to an unknown place from an unknown God. Because if you notice, Abraham's father was a son uh, worshiper. God was introducing himself to him. He didn't know this God yet. He hasn't been acquainted with him yet. But he took him at his word. Faith is taking God at his word. I don't care what the symptom says. I don't care what my body is telling me. I don't care what my bank account is saying. I take God. At his word. Because he's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent or change his mind. I take him at his word. And I walk with him. Step by step. And I have found. oh my God was ministering to me about this today. Did I not say to you, if you believe, you will see the glory of the Lord. John chapter 11. That's what he told Mary and Martha. My brother is dead. Did I not say to you, if you will believe me, it's like an equation. If you believe me, you see the glory of the Lord. If this side works, this side is going to work. And what's the glory of the Lord? The appearing, the presence, the shekinah, the kabod of the Father. And when he shows up, cancer cannot stand. When he shows up, family problem cannot stand when he shows whatever you need cannot stand amen oh my goodness did i not say to you if you will believe you will see the glory of the lord in mark chapter 9 jesus also made similar statement all things are possible to him that believes. so i'm i'm building this equation now in my study if you see my notes Did I not say to you, if you believe, you see, believe equals the glory of the Lord. Believe all things are possible to him that believe. So all things are possible on this side because I believe. So I'm building this powerful equation now that shows that God honors faith. God honors faith. I'm supposed to be teaching Hebrews 8, but I'm talking about faith. I can't help it. God honors faith praise the Lord he honors faith and I'm telling you I was sharing with the ladies uh, before you guys came Sunday the power of God was released in this house and I got a miracle tangible miracle and I'm going to share it in due time I'm not, it's not that I'm waiting for manifestation it's already happened amen a tangible miracle So I believe God. And the reason I share that with you is because I want you to know that God is working. And if you will believe him, you will see the glory of the Lord. Jesus was not just playing on words. He meant what he said, and he said what he meant. If you will believe, you will see the glory of the Lord. I don't care how big that situation is. I don't care how big whatever you, in fact, the bigger, the better. the bigger it it gladdens the heart of the father. It's like, look at my baby. Look at my baby. I mean, you guys know this. I'm preaching to the choir when you talk to your children. And they say, man, mommy, I'm so excited. I I believe you. Daddy, I'm so excited. I believe you. How does that make you feel? Well, now multiply that a trillion times. That's how it makes the father feel when we take him at his word. When we just take him, there's no evidence, there's no proof whatsoever. I just take him at his word. Amen? Take him at his word. Now let's get back to this. Say, Bishop, stay on track. (laughs) Praise the Lord. (laughs) So when you look at the old covenant and compare that to the new covenant, I'm just going to run through this real quick. The priests under the old covenant, they were selected among men. Men with weaknesses. So if you look at the Levitical priesthood in Hebrews 7 11, under the new covenant, Jesus Christ is a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek, and he has no weaknesses. Better. Better covenant established on better promises. Priests offer up sacrifices daily for his own sin and then for the sin of the people. You can see that in Hebrews eleven twenty-seven, Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice once, and it's done. One time, and it's done. The law of the old covenant were unprofitable and weak because they made nothing or no one perfect. You see that in Romans 8, verse 3 to 4, Hebrews seven eighteen to 19. But under the new covenant... It guarantees the perfection of men. Romans 8, 3-5, the righteousness that is in Christ Jesus. Acts 13, 39. So we begin to see how the new covenant is better. Under the old covenant, the priests were elected with an, without an oath. Jesus Christ became a priest guaranteed by an oath. You know, we talked about the two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. God cannot lie. You know, so so let. what time is it now? It's 7.44 p.m. on a Wednesday, January 29, 2020. If Jesus walks into the room and say, what a wonderful Sunday morning we are having, 2025. Guess what? It becomes Sunday morning, 2025. Because when he says, it becomes... When it he re- he comes out of his mouth, it becomes. So you say, well, God, uh, let me correct you. It's actually Wednesday, January 29. In the mind of every living soul on earth, it becomes whatever he says. Because he's the word. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. So when God says, it becomes. And so when God, when you read this, which is the logos, it's like God is talking to you. As a matter of fact, the word of God is God speaking to you. You know, many people in the church say, well, I don't hear from God. Well, did you read what he said? That's the foundation of hearing from God, the word of God. Everything else is built on that. The foundation is the word of God. So another thing that we see about the old covenant and the new covenant, the Old Testament or covenant was instituted with the blood of bulls, of goats, of heifer, You find that in Hebrews 9, 12, 13, 18, and 19. Of course, the new covenant is dedicated with the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The precious blood of the Lamb. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood. Do you know that you're supposed to take the sacrament as often as you like. Amen. Healing comes through that. Praise the Lord. You know, sometimes we do it when we do it in church, and that's wonderful. Do it at home. Do it at home. Break bread. A difficult situations going on. Break it back and just bring out the wine and the bread and say, Father, in the name, you break it back. Hallelujah. We have so, I love the Father. He's so amazing. He's such an amazing Father. He's given us so many avenues to get answer to whatever we are looking for. Just pick one or two or three and combine them. Prayer, fasting, the Word of God, the Holy Spirit. I mean, you, you combine. The devil is, is defeated. He's already a defeated foe anyway. The Bible says, having spoiled principalities and powers, he made an open show of them, triumphing over them in it. And he won that victory for me. So, you know, it's like, you know, you're supposed to run a race. And and Jesus is Us- saying bold. You know, he happens to be the fastest man alive for now. Because another guy is going to come and you know, run him out, <laughs> praise the Lord. But for now, he's the fastest man. And then Jesus takes your place. You're supposed to run the race. He takes your place. He runs and wins. And then you come on the other side and gives you the crown. Praise the Lord. That's what he done. he's done. He's won the victory for us and we get to enjoy the benefit. Hallelujah. In the old covenant, the sins of the priest and the people are to Wait. Until the time of cleansing and the covering ceremony. Under the New Testament, Jesus is our advocate with the Father. An advocate is uh, it's the same word for lawyer, the one that pleads your case before the Father. So when the enemy brings an accusation against you, guess who's first chair pleading your case? Uh, you know, that, that case is rigged. The judge. The one judge and the father happens to be your father. The Lord Jesus Christ, who's the fourth chair on your case, happens to be on your side too. Oh, Lord, the devil can win. He's rigged in my favor. But you know something? I was reading a book uh, by a man of God many years ago. If you don't show up to court, by default you lose. Even though you have a strong case, a sh- open and short case, all you have to do is just show up. But many of us don't show up. How do you show up? On your knees. Father, in the name of Jesus, you show up in court. I'm here to present my case. Here is this guy with boogers in his nose. He's about to take my family, take my health and take my children, uh, and he's about to rob me. But your word says, isn't that what they do in court? Your word says, according to Matthew eight seventeen, 17, that himself took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses. The stripes on the back of Jesus Christ pay for it. So this sickness is illegal in my body. And the father will say, yeah, let me look at that. Let me look at that. Quink, quink. Let me look at that. Yeah, yeah, he does say that. He does say that. Case dismissed, and God rules in your favor. But if you don't show up, the devil wins by default, even though you have a strong case. So my sisters, my brothers, show up, show up and and present your case, and win. Glory to God. Show up and present your case and win, and don't let the enemy win by default, because I'm just too busy watching as the stomach turns on TV. (laughs) Praise the Lord. (laughs) I'm too busy watching whatever you watch on TV. I don't have time to pray. Meanwhile, the enemy is, you know, plundering away. You need to strap up. The Bible says put on the old armor of God. Oh, I don't want to go through that rabbit hole. That armor is God's armor. So when you show up, it's like, oh, that's God. Better back up because that's the armor that God wears. And God has given me authority to wear. He said, put on my armor. Oh, glory to God. And I show up in battle. He sees the armor. He said, oh, that's God's armor. And then you act like God, talk like God, speak like God because he's he's giving you his word. He's giving you his spirit. Hallelujah. He's giving you the blood. Come on, people. We are dangerous. We are dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. And that's why he fights the world. Because once you know the truth, the Bible says, and you shall know the truth. And the truth shall do what? The truth. the truth. The revelation of the truth. Once you know who you are, the devil cannot harass you anymore. You know, talking about um, the police and policing that we've seen today. If you know you're right, they can harass you. You know you're right. You know they, some, they call something probable cause to search you and things like that. If they don't have probable cause to search you, I've seen some videos on social media where people are having intelligent, calm conversation with the law enforcement and they back down. Because they know that you know you're right. You know, many of us, we have no clue what laws are out there, what they can do. What they, so when you see a cop, you start shaking. You start shaking. You, you, you drop your pen. You drop your keys. You drop everything. You look guilty already. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But if you know you're right, read this book. Don't just read it on the surface. Dig in. Have time for personal study. Amen? Have time to dig into the word of God and let the Holy Spirit, who's the teacher. You know what I do? I say when I get my Bible and I'm about to do my study, Holy Spirit, I'm reporting for class. Glory to God. Let's do this. And then He will begin to open the word of God to you, line upon line, precept upon precept. And that's what God is coming for. He's coming for a a bride that is powerful strong knows who he is and what the father has given to them amen that's the believer that the enemy is afraid of he's not afraid of people that go to church and they never open their bible they they are not going to be powerful they are not going to be i mean thank god for the word of god that you hear on sunday thank god for bible studies like this but you also need your own time with god it's not just uh, time for prayer, that, that's wonderful, but time to study the Word of God and look into it and say, Lord, teach me. Teach me about faith. Why don't you just get your Bible and just go on faith? Or, oh, Lord, teach me about righteousness. Or, oh, Lord, teach me about the blood. Oh, my goodness. You come out a stronger believer, amen? You come out a more informed believer. Because the transaction is really, you know, you're in court and you're presenting your case and the devil is presenting his case. It's already rigged in your favor. But if you don't know what the word says, what the law says, then he's going to win by default. And because God is a righteous judge, he has to rule for him. Because if he doesn't rule for him, then he has to recuse himself. I watch a lot of law shows. Maybe I should have been a lawyer. He has to recuse himself because you, you have to be impartial to be a righteous judge. And that's one of his name. He's a righteous judge. But you have to know what the word says to present your case effectively. And Jesus Christ being your advocate, your lawyer, is the first chair. But you have to show up to praise the Lord And God's plan and intention is for his church to be strong and powerful. So we've covered several things tonight. I hope it's been a blessing to you. Uh, We've looked at the covenant. We've looked at uh, the right hand of God. We've looked at the roles of kings and and priests. We've looked at doctrine of laying on of hands and, and what that does to transfer blessing, to transfer power, healing, anointing, and the Holy Spirit. I want us to take uh, the few minutes that we have left to just pray, pray, pray a little bit. We thank God for what's happened at Costa Rica. I know that they have many, many testimonies to share. I don't know if there's anybody here tonight under the sound of my voice. You need some. I know everybody needs something, but you need some type of prayer, whatever that might be. I want to hook up with you. Let's pray together in the Holy Ghost. And just believe God for the miraculous. Because his His word is true. Amen? So pray with me. Father, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, I pray for my sisters, my brothers, and those that are watching online, and those that will watch the rebroadcast. Because your word is eternal. It never changes. Lord, I ask in the mighty name of Jesus, whatever be their request, Lord, we bring it to our high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we ask, O God, that their request be granted in the name of Jesus. Every operation of Satan. Satan, I bind you in the name of Jesus. Take your hand off of God's property. Lose your hold over my sister, over my brother, in the mighty name of Jesus. We release miracles, signs, wonders in the mighty name of Jesus. Those that are losing strength, those that are losing faith. Lord, I pray that an infusion of faith has been released into their heart tonight. Because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 1017. Lord I thank you tonight because the power of God has been released in the house. And there will be miracles forthcoming because you said in your word, if you will believe, you will see the glory of the Lord. So once I qualify for the belief part, the next thing to expect is the glory of God. And so, Father, we are fully expectant of glory in every area of our life tonight in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray over Global River Church. I thank you for Pastor Tom and the rest of the leadership. I thank you for what you are doing in this church and where you are taking us as a people. We are grateful tonight. Father, be exalted, be lifted in the name of Jesus. Father God, we thank you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Praise the Lord.